Welcome to Let's Eat. I'm your host, Emily, holistic health coach and self-proclaimed wellness enthusiast, here to meet you at the intersection of physical and mental health, the exact location where optimal wellness lies. This podcast is meant to explore all areas of mind and body wellness, designed to offer you the integrative knowledge, behavioral strategies, and mindset shifts necessary to uplevel your health and feel better today. We'll explore nutrition, sleep, movement, self-care and stress management, habits and routines, gut health, mental health, and more. I am so happy that you're here. Welcome to the table. Let's eat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Eat. This is part three, yes, part three, of my story. I did not plan very well and I had no intentions on making this a three-part series. I really wanted to keep it to two parts but here we are on part three of my story and I realized as I was getting towards the end of last episode there's just no possible way I'm going to cover everything that I want to cover in a matter of two parts. So we are moving into part three so thank you for being here. If you have stayed with us and you've gotten through part one and part two I appreciate you. And I promise for future episodes, I will be more aware and more, um, a little bit more on top of my time management skills um, in order to, to keep things a little bit shorter, maybe a little bit more brief. But for today, we are essentially going to be talking about my experience in the mental health field and basically the year 2020 up until now. So we're looking at the past four years and there was a lot of moving parts, lots of pivots, lots of experiences that led me to the very moment that I am in right now and where I am today in my business and so forth. So it's valuable, it's important. So this part is needed in order for my whole story to really come together So I promise you this will be the final part of my story. (laughs) And then episodes that are coming in the next coming weeks, in the next few weeks, are topics I've chosen to really highlight and showcase as I think that they'll bring you a lot of value. So let's get into it. Let's not spend any more time. Let's, Let's wrap it up here, okay? So 2020, like I had mentioned, pandemic hit. All of my classes went virtual. My classmates who were in the midst of internship were in a panic, as were my classmates like myself who were looking for internship sites because at the time, any agency, private practice, any type of mental health facility was not interested in taking on on interns. They were interested in how are we going to function? How are we going to operate? How are we going to help our clients in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, right? Where... They were limited in terms of access. Telehealth was essentially just at the beginning stages. I think, you know, that all came together pretty fast. And it's funny, I think I mentioned this maybe in the last episode. In my ethics class a couple years prior, we had talked about our thoughts on telehealth and our thoughts on, you know, online therapy. And the majority of us felt as though that wasn't ethical. Majority of us thought, you know, that's not effective. You need to be in person, although it you know, increases access for a lot of individuals, it just isn't the same as in-person therapy. And obviously now, fast forward to the pandemic, that was all we had access to. And thank goodness, right? Because I think it saved a lot of lives. It, it continued to help a lot of people. 
But, you know, like I was saying, there wasn't a lot of, of practices and agencies and so forth that were interested in taking on, on, on interns. They were simply interested in how are we going to continue to run? How are we going to continue to operate, especially in the midst of these early stages of the pandemic where no one really knew what was going on. We were thrown into quarantine, thrown to the social isolation. And if anything, the clients needed therapy more, right? They needed assistance and mental health care more during this time. Um, and so in the midst of all this, I decided to go in the direction of my professor who owned a private practice in Philadelphia. I got started there, I want to say June or July, but didn't really start to see clients and didn't really pick up any pace. And at this point, I had a few things in mind. I think one was that, you know, I have time. It's fine. I'll, I'll make up the hours. You know, I have a whole year to get this done. I think there was a little bit of a hesitation because I was apprehensive about the whole process. And I also didn't really feel totally welcomed at this practice and being remote and being an intern and really essentially feeling like this was something I was thrown into, not because I wanted to, but because I had to. If I had had more of an opportunity to seek out a site that I felt more comfortable at or felt was more in alignment with, with my own personal career goals, then I think I would feel probably a bit differently about my experience there. Moving towards the end of the summer and into the fall, I had a very, very, very small caseload. And I would communicate with my supervisor about it. And it always seemed as though, you know, oh, it'll happen or, oh, we're working on it. Very disorganized, very chaotic. I was doing a lot of intake sessions. So that would simply be me doing the initial intake with the client, but then the client would be passed on to another clinician. So come September and October, I start to get the clinical coordinator in the loop on what's going on. And she suggested alongside my supervisor at TCNJ that I start looking for a second site, right? I look for another site, another location that I could start to accrue hours at. Because at this rate, you know, things had been slow moving and, you know, graduation was nearing, I needed to meet my hours and I just wasn't getting what I needed, right? Which is not uncommon. I'll preface all of this by saying it is not uncommon for interns to seek out two different sites, whether it's I want to see clients at a private practice and I want to work at an agency or I want to work at a, at a facility that offers X and I also want experience in Y, right? And it gives you two different experiences, right? You're exposed to two different populations maybe, maybe one spe you know, specific to substance use and another specific to you know, general mental health, right? You were getting a multitude of experiences, exposures and so forth, and then also optimizing the ability for you to acquire hours, which is the goal. The goal of our internship is to get our hours, to get our exposure, to get our practice so that we can move into the field after graduation. So I do my homework and as mentioned, I'm still very much interested in eating disorder treatment. And I find, I find a private practice that's located in New Jersey and based on their website, it looks like they are both an individual and group therapy practice that offers treatment or care in eating disorder work where you know, some of their clinicians are qualified or specialized in eating disorders. And what's interesting is there are very few private practices, and I'm speaking from just my experience in doing my research, that offer eating disorder specialties because of the fact that eating disorders 
not only are among the most deadly mental health issues, but most of eating disorder clients and eating disorder patients need higher levels of care in order to address the issue. So you're not gonna see as much private practice for eating disorder specialties. You're going to see more IOP, more you know, partial hospitalization programs, which are considered higher levels of care given the need, given the intensity of the disorder. You're also gonna more likely find residential programs for eating disorders, which was also something that I looked into prior to my first internship site thinking, okay, maybe I could get a internship role at something that's a little bit more eating disorder specific, like a residential treatment program. But of course, in the midst of the pandemic, so many complications with that and so many restrictions with that, I didn't have much luck. So long story short, I emailed this practice. I email what looks to be the, who looks to be the owner of the practice. And I explain my situation and I explain what I'm looking for. And we set up a call, set up an interview. And this is at the end of October. So she and I meet, it's a formal interview, which when I hopped on the call, I really was not expecting that. And so I did my very best to answer all the questions and you know, respond to her in a way that was very professional and well-spoken. And, you know, I essentially just gave her the scoop on what was going on and that I work and that I'm in school and I'm looking for another site to acquire more hours. And afterwards, she emailed me back and she basically said, okay, this works out. And, you know, let's, let's talk about the details. Let's, let's move forward. So at this rate, I'm feeling very excited, feeling very hopeful. Yes, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed because in my head I'm thinking, okay, well, what if I do get hours at this other practice and I'm working and I'm in school and now I have this new site, right? How am I going to make this happen? But I knew that in order for me to graduate on time, in order for me to get my hours, this was the only way. And even further, I was going to be able to get the exposure and the opportunity to experience a setting in which I could witness eating disorder care and what it's like and ask the questions that I want to ask and so forth. So the following week, I write a very well-worded very well written email to the owner of my first practice, my first site, and my supervisor at that site. And I essentially say, hello, I'm writing to let you know that I'm going to be starting at another private practice that's more geared towards eating disorders, which both of them knew that that was something that I had interest in. And also they both knew that that was something that they could not provide to me at the practice, okay, given their population and given who they work with. I wanted them to know that they were my first priority, that they would, you know, continue to take precedence in terms of my commitment and my loyalty and my responsibilities there would be my first priority. And that, you know, given the fact that I have been very patient with not getting hours over the past six months, I needed to do something about it. And obviously I wrote, wrote that in a very professional way. I, I was very intentional about sharing that my loyalty still lies with them and I want them to know that I'm not going to perform any differently because I'm taking on the second site, but also emphasizing the fact that it's not totally abnormal. It's very actually very common for students and interns to take on second sites in order to get the hours that they need, but also to get the experience and the exposure 
of other populations and so forth, right? And at the end, you know, I, I concluded with, I'm looking forward to continuing my journey here and I, I wanted to let you know and bring it to your attention and so forth. Thank you very much. You know, if you have any questions, please let me know. Okay, it was a very well-written, very honest, transparent email. I could have easily not said anything at all, right? I could have easily just started a new site and, you know, kept that a secret. But at the end of the day, you know, I needed to do what I had to do and I wasn't getting what I needed. I wasn't getting the hours. I wasn't getting the experience. And so I took it upon myself in order to, to make moves, in order to, to do what I had to do. So I hear nothing in response to this, okay? Not from the owner, not from the supervisor. I don't hear anything. I'm on my way to work. And I receive an email from the clinical coordinator at TCNJ. It's a forwarded email. And it says, hi, Emily, can you give me a call? I'm confused by this. And the attached email was from my professor, from the owner of my original internship site, with the subject line, clinical intern terminated effective immediately. So I immediately lose my mind, right? I'm on my way to work. I start to cry. I'm so confused, right? Because I hadn't heard back. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I did wrong. So I call my clinical supervisor and I say, Sandy, I have no idea what this, what this means. I explained to her the circumstances. I explained to her what happened and she was livid. She was so upset for me. She felt so sorry for me. And she wanted to do something about it. Now, she is not someone to be messed with. And I didn't even know what to say to her because I didn't understand what I did wrong. I, I explained to her, I afforded her the email that I had sent. And, you know, she validated me in the sense of you didn't do anything wrong. You had to do what you had to do. And it was terrible. It was so terrible. Already someone who was feeling insecure about this experience, already feeling behind, already feeling like I really wasn't where I was supposed to be. And now out of left field, I was terminated pretty unethically for really no reason at all, aside from I was doing what I had to do. And I didn't even get the respect of being notified by my supervisor by the owner of the practice in a way that was professional with an explanation, but instead my clinical supervisor at school was made aware and that was how I was told that I was losing my internship spot. So I call my girlfriend who was actually also at this internship site. I had mentioned that she was someone I went to high school with and then she and I went through grad school together and she was at the same site and I told her what happened. And she was appalled. She ended up saying, I don't even know if I can work for this person. I don't even know if I can, you know, I can continue to, to intern at this site given what he's done and given what, how he's treated you. And she had always kind of been a favorite. I could tell that he took a, a liking to her and it was definitely different our experiences, her experience versus my experience. But she was so frustrated and so disappointed and so disgusted by how he behaved and his actions, especially for someone who is a mental health therapist. And she, you know, ultimately 
you know, long story short, after some reflection, she ended up resigning from her role as an intern there simply because of my experience and because of, you know, how she now viewed him and the way his actions really said a lot about his character. So to wrap up that experience, I ended up getting an email from the supervisor at the practice who claimed she had no idea that this was happening and that she was so sorry. And if she could help in any way, please let me know. This ended up provoking a lot of dysfunction within the practice because this impulsive decision that he made based on his emotions and so forth really aggravated a lot of the other employees and clinicians. And I know since then we had another classmate who was interning there and, you know, he decided he wanted to stay simply because he felt that it was in alignment with his goals and his, you know, therapeutic orientation and so forth, which I fully respected. And he was very considerate of my feelings and explained it to me and and whatnot, which, you know, I didn't, I didn't need him to do that. You know, it was very, very kind of him to consider me but he ended up having a really negative experience there towards the end of his internship. And it seemed that the practice itself essentially imploded because of this man's actions. It was just, you know, a big mess. But at the time I felt very betrayed. I felt very shocked. It was a big conversation that I had with my internship class and we walked through it together and they were very supportive of me. So needless to say, it was quite the curveball in my experience as an intern. Already as someone who felt underqualified or who felt this imposter syndrome or this misalignment, it was really hard for me to not take that personally, even though I know it was based on the actions of someone who, you know, had poor emotional regulation and and impulse control and, and, you know, acted off of his personal distress or his personal issues or maybe, you know, was was angry at me for a second. So he acted on on that emotion, whatever it was. Right. But of course, for me, it was really hard to grapple with that when I was already feeling a certain type of way. So moving on, I ended up committing to my second site with more availability. Right. And I won't go too much into depth about this experience, right? I started officially in November and I wrapped up in May. And over the course of that period of time, I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. I was burnt out. My supervisor was a very toxic person in my life at this time. And it was a very hard experience because I was working so hard in order to meet my hours. I was having a very challenging time in the relationship that I had with my supervisor. I felt like I was more of her personal assistant than I was a clinical intern. I wasn't getting one-on-one hours with clients. I simply was sitting in on sessions with other clinicians, which I understand given the ethics of working with eating disorder clients, it would likely be unethical for me as a clinical intern to work with clients who were navigating mental health of that magnitude. And I still got experience. I really got to like a lot of the women that I was working with and they were very welcoming of me. I developed strong relationships with them and was able to ask questions and, you know, get to know them. And it was really, really nice, honestly, to get exposure to different therapeutic styles and different therapeutic orientations to see how these different clinicians worked and, and how they approached their therapy. But at the same time, it really furthered that feeling of 
being underqualified, that imposter syndrome, and detracted from my ability to feel confident in developing my skill set as a therapist because I wasn't getting the experience that I needed. This practice specifically oriented through dialectical behavior therapy, it's otherwise known as DBT, and it's a theoretical orientation that's been found to be really effective for issues like self-harm and eating disorders. So that was really what I immersed myself in, and I really learned the ins and outs of DBT, which I'm grateful for because I can see its relevance in a lot of the work that I do now with coaching clients. Even though I'm not a therapist, I understand emotions a little bit differently because of that. And I worked as a group therapist, so I did interact in that capacity, working with middle schoolers, working with adults. I had exposure across the board, right? I did get to sit in and take in a lot, but I was doing a lot and my relationship with the supervisor really caused me a lot of anxiety, a lot of distress, a lot of tears. Part of the reason why was because of the way she talked to me, the way she made me feel really inferior, the way she made me feel really incompetent. And I consider myself a very confident person. I consider myself a very competent person. And the fact that she was able to make me feel that way, on top of already feeling this imposter syndrome, feeling this underqualification and, and so forth, it really made me feel terrible. And it was over the course of these months where I just kept my sights on May. I kept my focus on, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And that was essentially what got me through. What got me through was knowing, okay, every day I just need to commit to what I have in front of me. What do I need to get done? How am I accruing my hours? How am I making this happen? And by May, thankfully, I did in fact meet my hours, but it was also about this time that she asked if I'd be interested in taking on a role at her practice. Now, I was shocked by this. I was absolutely shocked, not only because I couldn't help but feel as though, how could she not feel how our relationship is so strenuous and, and with so much tension? How can she not feel that from me? I've cried so many tears in front of her. I've felt so many different things because of her. She is She's just a tough person to have a relationship with, to work for. And I say this in tandem with the fact that she is a very successful business owner. She is a very effective eating disorder therapist. She is well known for her work with eating disorders. And that's why the business was so successful. And so I recount and I recall this story with no regret and no, you know, malintent on you know, how I feel about her necessarily. I just knew that the position was not a position for me. And she, you know, brought up the topic probably about April. I think she liked the fact that I was already trained in, in her systems. I was trained under her. I was trained with her clinicians. I was already embedded in her system. And she'd make comments about that too, that, you know, you're already essentially part of this practice. So it would be really easy to onboard you and to make you a part of the team as an official licensed associate counselor. And so I had time to think about it. She'd bring it up here and there. I really wasn't sure what my plan was, but of course the idea of having a secured job post-graduation, that sounded nice. That sounded appetizing, especially as someone who's entry level and just getting started, already being comfortable with the staff and, and knowing the back end of things because a lot of the work I did was very um, administrative. 
So I already knew all of the ins and outs of the systems and how she operated and so forth. But at the same time, my mental health would be what I sacrificed as a result of that. Because just because I was stepping up as a licensed counselor does not mean that the way that she treated me and the way she talked to me would have changed. So finally, the conversation had to be had because we were getting closer to graduation. We were getting closer to the final days of my time at the practice. And I was able to express to her how I was feeling. She brought the conversation up. We talked about it. And I very much, through tears, but very much was able to say to her, this is how you've made me feel. And this is the reason why I'm not choosing to work for you. And I have to decline your offer. And I'm so proud of myself for that because I think I could have easily just said no thank you and moved on. But I had to say to her, this is how you have made me feel in a matter of these past eight months or seven months, whatever it was. And it cut deep for me. It felt like she really hurt me to my core because of the way she made me feel in terms of my incompetency, feeling very inferior and feeling ill-prepared. And she would make me feel that way over and over again, but then try and put on this facade in front of others and applaud me and praise me for all the hard work I was doing, which I was working very, very hard, very hard. And I'm sure she meant it in a lot of ways, but it felt very confusing to me where in our personal exchanges and the time that she and I spent together, I felt one way and then in front of others, I was being praised for my good work. It didn't really, it did not make sense to me. And I think because she made me feel this way, I was also performing worse than I probably could have. I was making mistakes or making errors or not really knowing what to do about certain things or messing up or tripping up over things because she put so much pressure on me and there was so much stress. And it was just a very uncomfortable work environment. So I was able to address her professionally and let her know why I would be declining the offer. I met with all of the clinicians during our last meeting. You know, I thanked them all for the time that I spent with them. She basically let everyone know Emily's moving on. And that was it. And that was the end of that. And I graduated and I shut that door and I have not spoken to any of the, the clinicians since then. I know a lot of them really liked me and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I, I was able to experience a lot with them. So I'm grateful for that. But the whole experience, I'm, you know, I'm lucky because I was able to get the hours that I needed. But what it did to my mental health was unlike anything else that I've ever experienced. So that week after I finished up my internship, I graduated and I had plans to hold off on pursuing any type of job search simply because I truthfully just needed recovery. I needed an emotional and mental recovery and even a physical recovery from what I had undergone that semester with school and internship and working. It was just a lot. There was a lot going on. I was go, 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 and I needed time. And luckily, because I was still bartending, there wasn't any real push for me to find a job because I was making money. So I wasn't really totally incentivized or motivated to look, but I would peruse, right? A couple weeks after graduation, maybe a week after, I was scrolling through Indeed, just seeing what was out there, and I found a job listing for someone looking for a entry-level clinician, an LAC, which in New Jersey stands for Licensed Associate Counselor, who's interested in nutrition and mental health. And I must have read that ad like six times. 
okay? Because all along over the course of the semester, I'm getting my front row seat in eating disorder care. And as I finished my health coaching certification and as I continue to immerse myself in that and understanding nutrition and mental health, I realized eating disorder care was not where I was meant to be. And it was through that experience that really uncovered what my what my heart was actually looking for. And that was working with clients from a lifestyle nutrition perspective and their mental health and, you know, inevitably their physical health as well. And I was able to actually have that conversation with my former supervisor at my internship site about how, you know, eating disorder care is not for me and I'm looking to go in a different direction. And she actually gave me some solid advice on you know, what my options were, what she suggested that I do. So I'm very grateful for that because that was helpful. And she knew, all right, she's not aligned with this work. She should move on because of the fact that, you know, she'd be much happier elsewhere. So I ended up applying. I submitted the pre-interview questions, which essentially were all about nutrition and mental health, the mind-body connection and so forth submitted those questions, scheduled an interview, went and interviewed. It was like a two-hour interview. I think it was supposed to be like an hour or 75 minutes. And I left and I wasn't sure. I, I felt as though it was a long, long interview and I got caught up in my head. I called one of my best friends and I was like, I don't really know. And she's like, well, Emily, no matter what, you know, you did it. And, you know, whatever happens will happen. I got a phone call from my supervisor, I think that next day or maybe the day after, she offered me the job. I took the job and I started on July 6th, 2021. So over the course of the year and a half that I was working for this private practice, my caseload began to grow. It was that year, October 2021, that I formed my LLC. And at the time, I really had no intention of seeing holistic health coaching clients. I simply thought, all right, I'm going to establish my LLC, establish my business so that in four to five years when I have my, you know, my full licensure as a therapist, I already have this established business that I can join my LLC and my LPC, which is licensed professional counselor. And then I can work on my own as a licensed therapist through the lens of nutrition and mental health. Now in the state of New Jersey, you have to work under supervision as a provisionally licensed therapist for a couple a couple years in order to acquire your hours and then you can venture out on your own if you wanted to so i really didn't have a formalized plan necessarily while i wanted to establish my llc and that was the tentative plan i also knew that there's potential for me to grow within this practice and if that were the case if i found that this is where i was meant to be i would be happy with that too It soon became so obvious to me, however, how overloaded and how burnt out I was becoming, given the fact that I was doing so much. I was bartending, I was seeing clients, and my caseload continued to grow, and I was beginning to feel more motivated to start to consider, well, maybe I can start seeing holistic health coaching clients while I'm doing all this. Maybe I can, you know, potentially establish something on top of my work as a therapist and start to grow my business alongside the work that I'm doing in this private practice. Maybe I should give it a try. And that's exactly what I did. I started seeing clients come the spring of the following year. And at this point, you know, I'm continuing to work as a therapist, 
Unfortunately, financially speaking, it was very inconsistent, which became very stressful for me because I found myself feeling as though I'm trying to grow my caseload, I'm trying to expand in that regard, but with the fluidity and the fluctuation and the inconsistency of working as someone who isn't salaried and is a fee-for-service clinician, which means I'm getting paid every hour I see clients, I'm not being compensated for the work that I'm doing outside of that, and my income is also contingent upon whether or not my clients show up. And that was very challenging because I'm trying to grow my caseload and every time I'd add a new client, I'd have a client ghost me or you know, a client who was interested in terminating services. So it felt very challenging to get to where I wanted to be without overloading myself while I was also working behind the bar. And it was just a lot of frustration that came from you know, several months of back and forth. I was also getting paid based on how many clients I had. So if I met a certain caseload number, I would get more per hour in comparison to a lower amount of clients. But this was also based on who showed up for the week. So, you know, I could technically have 30 clients, but if I'm not seeing them, say, every week, or there's no shows or cancellations, this is going to impact how much money I was making. So there was a lot of fluctuation and I think I stuck with it simply because I thought, well, I have no other choice. But when I tell you the Sunday scaries were so real, I had so much dread entering the week. I would be excited when I got the chance to go to the restaurant because that was something that I knew, something that I was comfortable with and I was good at. And I felt so much stress and anxiety around my work as a therapist, and I don't think I really came to terms with it until after I decided to leave. And it was also this time that I was developing a new program within the practice all about nutrition and mental health, and I was super excited for this. I thought this was going to be really great. I would essentially take the reins and lead it. And I was working with my supervisor on this and she was great and she and I had a really great relationship. We aligned in a lot of ways. Our philosophies were in sync, but I also wasn't getting compensated for this either. And so while I was putting in all this extra work outside of just the work I was doing with clients, a lot of this additional responsibility was not something I was being compensated for. So I thought if I'm doing this for free for someone else, couldn't I just do this for myself? And while it wouldn't be from a therapeutic perspective, it would be from a holistic health coaching perspective. And I think I would see a lot more return on that if I was doing it for myself as opposed to someone else. So as we moved into summer 2022, I felt like my whole life was just flying by over the course of the weeks because I was doing so much. I was working so hard. I was feeling all sorts of different things, anxiety, stress, confusion, overwhelm. And it was into September. I remember I had a phone call with my mom and I was sitting outside and I said to her, mom, I, I, I can't do this. I have too much going on. The work that I was doing as a therapist was simply not fulfilling for me. You know, a few of my clients I was able to work with from a nutritional perspective, a few of my clients, you know, I gave them more tangible, holistic wellness strategies to help support their mental health. But for the most part, it was a lot of traditional psychotherapy, which don't get me wrong, 
I, you know, I can honestly say I, I knew that that was going to be the case because ultimately you have to meet the client where they are. And if they're not willing to pick up and take advantage of maybe these more behavioral changes that they can make and they are more interested in the coping skills and the cognitive work and so forth, and that's where you have to meet them at, right? They can't pick up something, they can't digest something, they can't apply something if that's simply not where they are. And so keeping this ethical consideration in mind, it conjured up a lot of frustration within me because I would have to work through that with my supervisor and you know feel very discouraged because I knew, I knew some of these strategies would best help them feel better, potentially minimize their discomfort and minimize their symptomology, but they just weren't able to take it in. They weren't able to utilize it. They weren't able to apply it. I'm just laughing because Lulu just was dreaming and let out a, a little bit of a yelp and you can hear it in that, in that audio. So if you want to um, scroll back a little bit. You can hear my, my little Lou <laughs> having a bad dream. So during this conversation with my mom, I shared with her, I don't feel fulfilled. I feel burnt out. I'm doing too much. I make more money as a bartender. What do I do? And she said to me, it sounds like you need to quit. And I remember sitting there listening to her and thinking, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Because at this time, my, my business as a health coach actually was picking up. I ended up acquiring, I think, probably two to three clients in that last month. And I knew, given where I was, the headspace that I was in, if I wanted to really commit to these clients and do my best work, especially because I was just laying the foundation of my business, I could not operate the way I was operating. I would not be able to give them the attention or the commitment that they deserved, number one, that they were paying for, and that I really wanted to offer them as being new in the field. You know, giving these impressions and really committing to them and their, their needs was a priority of mine for the sake of the business, for the sake of the work that I want to be able to offer and the, the impact that I wanna have. But I knew where I was emotionally and mentally, I was not fit and I didn't have the capacity in order to do it. So that was all that needed to be said. That was all that needed to be said. I said, I'm not fulfilled. This is not what I want to do. My mom even said, you know, when you first said that you were going to go into this field, I didn't think that you couldn't do it, but I also knew that it would be hard. And I knew that, you know, you were taking on a huge responsibility. It's very emotionally tolling and I, I support you. You know, if this is what you want to do, this is what you want to do. So I'm the type of person, and she said she was the same person. She said, or I said to her, once I have an idea in my head, there's no reflecting on it. There's no, well, maybe I'll wait it out. Maybe I'll give it some time. I have, I have friends. I have other people in my life. You know, I'm thinking of my one girlfriend in particular where she's had this thought before about leaving her job and so forth. And, you know, she's going to give herself a couple years to really reflect and plan. I am not that person. And I know that that's probably financially irresponsible of me, but, <laughs> and maybe just irresponsible across the board, but I'm the type of person, if I have the thought in my head, I have to act on it. I have to do something about it. So I ended up having a conversation later that week with my supervisor. It was pretty emotional. I basically just said I was not in the right headspace. I was second guessing. I didn't think I was where I needed to be. She met me with, 
you know, you're going through a really challenging time personally. That was when I was navigating a breakup and so forth. Maybe, you know, you need to give us some, some thought. And I knew in my heart that I didn't need to give it some thought. I knew what I wanted. I knew that I was certain of this, but the way she worded it, the way that she presented it made me think, okay, yeah, well, maybe I do need to give this some thought. So I ended up taking a week off, a couple of days off, reflected, came back to the same conclusion, decided I was formally resigning, and I finished out my contract of eight weeks in order to discharge clients, in order to transfer them to another therapist to, you know, just conclude our time together. I ended up finishing off with probably 26 clients, I want to say. So it was quite the few weeks of goodbyes, of processing the change. Some clients took it much more challenging than others. There was tears shed. And I really got a feel for the impact that I was making on these clients that I really didn't realize. So I'm grateful that I went about it in the way that I did, that I didn't burn any bridges, that I appropriately and ethically discharged these clients and closed the door with them and processed the experience because, you know, it can be really traumatic for clients to have a therapist who is leaving or is you know, moving to a different practice or, you know, whatever it is, right, that takes place when a therapist discontinues service, discontinues work with clients. And so going about it in a gentle, ethical way can be really, really therapeutic in and of itself because there are clients that I've had in the past who had abrupt endings with their, with their therapist or their therapist ghosted them. And that can be a really traumatic experience and can cause them a distrust in therapists across the board and really impact their ability to commit to therapy in the future. So I feel very grateful that I was able to go about it in a way that was ethical and that was healthy. So I spent eight weeks closing out cases and then the day before Thanksgiving in 2022 was my formal last day and since then I've been working for myself and bartending part-time and I can honestly say I have never been happier. I am so grateful to have had that opportunity of working in the field because a lot of the work that I do now with coaching clients is inspired by the skill set that I developed as a therapist, active listening, reflection, and so forth, and really tuning into those basic skills that I mentioned where my curriculum as a coach was very much in sync with my, my education as a therapist. And so I'm able to use those skills continually as a coach, as I would a therapist, it's just in a different capacity. And I'm so much happier. I love working for myself. I love growing. I love building. I love the work that I do. It's so fulfilling. And I, I, I know that every step on my journey was meant for a reason. It led me to where I am now. And I learned a lot along the way. But sometimes I wonder if my experiences over the course of grad school were the ways of the universe telling me that this was not going to be forever right? It felt like so much resistance over the course of my three years in grad school and then over the course of my internship. It just felt hard. It felt challenging and not in the sense of the material was hard, not in the sense of, you know, the work that I was doing necessarily was hard, but it just felt hard. It felt hard for me to do it. It felt like there was a lot of roadblocks and setbacks. And while I made my way through, I can't help but wonder if this was foreshadowing the future, right? If this was something that, you know, was telling me 
this isn't where you're aligned. This isn't where you're meant to be. Yes, there's a lot of mental health components that I still continue to utilize and I draw from and no one's ever going to be able to take away my master's degree. I might not be a licensed clinician, but no one will ever take away the education and the fact that I that I earned a master's. However, it was how I was using it and in what capacity that was all the difference that made all the difference. And so where I am now is so much more aligned, so much more relevant to my passions, to the impact that I want to make on the world. And also it is much more supportive and much healthier for the sake of my mental health. Honestly, that above all is what is most important to me is that I myself am taking care of my health, of my happiness, and that I'm not engaging in environments or relationships or career paths that compromise that for myself. You know, I think sometimes we have to really tune in and and look inward and say, you know, what is this doing to me and my mind and my brain and my emotions and my stress levels? Because what we know is, you know, the burden of the stressors that we take on over the course of our day, they have a direct influence on our physical health, on manifestation of disease. And so if we dismiss that for years and years and years, it's just going to show up in symptoms it's going to show up in you know ailments and chronic illness and you know it's it's not doing us any good so since my resignation like i said i've been working for myself i have been focusing on developing and growing my own business i've been engaged in speaking opportunities i've been guests on podcasts i created my own podcasts i've created guides you know, I've done so much and I've been able to educate and empower and support clients in a way that I probably couldn't have fully if I continued to live in a space of burnout like I had. And I'm so grateful that I did have the opportunity to leave that position because at the end of the day, you know, no job, no position, no relationship is worth compromising your ability to live a full quality, high quality life. And so I think that's that's the takeaway that I want you to reflect on here as I conclude my story and my journey is this is the fact that, you know, it's really important that you audit your life in that way and identify where are there stressors coming, coming at me, you know, where have I normalized stress? Where is it that stress exists that I might be able to change, what that I might be able to respond differently to, that I might be able to choose otherwise for, right? Because ultimately your life is up to you. And we have more control in our health. We have more control in, you know, how we feel from day to day than we're often led to believe. And we need to take start taking. We need to start taking initiative. We need to start taking authority in that um, because our quality of life is what's most important. Our quality of relationships, our quality of our existence, is so very important. We only have one life, and so I hope that you are willing to take a look at your life, identify the stressors that you're able to relinquish identify the stressors that you're able to maybe quiet and, you know, make the choice today to do that. So this concludes my series on my story. I know this was quite the series and I probably wasn't able to cover every single thing that I wanted to cover, but I really tried to showcase these more monumental parts of my life and how they influenced my physical health, how they influenced my mental health and what I chose to do instead or how I learned from it. And as we move along, as you continue to tune in, there's going to be more opportunities for me to share insight from my personal experience and my story. 
I know for those of you who followed me on Instagram or, you know, have been with me for several years now, some of this might be completely new to you because I really have not shared a lot of this. So, you know, I look forward to being as transparent and vulnerable about some of these things over the course of, you know, sharing on this podcast because I think it's really important that there's a different side of my life that you learn about, that you can understand, that has also influenced my physical health and my mental health and so forth. And I hope that it brings you value. I hope that it brings you encouragement and you feel empowered to audit your own life and see what things need adjusting. Okay, so once again, thank you for being here. You're always welcome to my table and I look forward to talking with you soon. Until then, be well. Thank you.